Welcome to Judgment Days, where we explore matters of religion, religious history and faith, and their impact on the world. I'm your host, Albert, and along with my co-host, Michael, we welcome you to join us on this journey. Another similarity between Judaism and Islam is that they believe in one God who is indivisible. He is one being, while Christianity has a concept of the Trinity, which is to say that God is eternally existent as three different persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The three are one. They make one God. Now, the, um, the criticism, of course, that Jews and Muslims have against Christians is they said you, you kind of snuck in, you know, um, polytheism all over again. You snuck in three for the price of one. Like, so, I mean, Christianity has a very complex way of describing it. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect description, but it is one where they believe that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are what make God. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. There's a distinction in persons, but they're one God, as in one being. Right, I get it. And it's very confusing because it, you have to get into technical language to get it right, to avoid sounding like you're saying... It's you almost ethereal, three. in a way. Right. It's You want to avoid anything that even smacks like you're saying three. Because you're not trying to teach that there are three gods, you're teaching there's one. But for Judaism and Islam... That's not good enough. Like, that's seen as kind of sneaking paganism through the back door. Like, you're still kind of introducing a weird concept. That's another reason why Jews and Christians have um, a schism. There's a break there. Um, When Christianity first emerged from Judaism, it was very much like Judaism. You know, so there wasn't this advanced teaching of the Trinity or anything like that. Christians were trying to come to terms with the fact that for them, God seemed to be coming through in Jesus Christ. That he was this, what we call the incarnation of God, right? Carne meaning flesh, meaning meat, right? Incarnation, meaning God is now in the meat. God actually comes into the flesh of a human being. So this idea is found in other religions, that you can have a god-like human, but this is alien to to Islam and Judaism. They will not ever, ever accommodate that idea. So when Christians began to form... Because now you have the Jesus the, the Jesus throwing up a... winking with his thumbs up. Have you seen that? Yeah. Because now you can just make fun of it and... Well, know. that's another part of it. And also because they recognize that, that they believe that God is supremely holy. And, untouchable and, anyway. And untouchable and unlike anything we are. So to them it is a form of idolatry. You have to understand to Jews and Muslims, the Christian belief that Jesus is God is idolatrous. Like they look at it like this, he's a man, you're worshipping a man. Like this is against our religion. Judaism and Islam expressly teach that no man can be God. Another great similarity then. Right. That's yeah. another thing they have in common that Christianity is in a way divergent from. So you have Judaism now, right? You've, Judah, the tribe, is now 
the only existing the Jews, right? Tribe no, of Israel, right? And where does so Christianity only comes in with Jesus, but mostly when he after he dies? But right. Jesus was Jewish, as you said earlier, who sort of broke away from not his Jewishness, but from the foundational understanding of what they taught and believed because he now says i am the son of god right that's 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 where it gets tricky because if you read the christian scriptures it's clear that jesus is expressing a relationship with god that no one else in the jewish scriptures ever did so in the jewish scriptures the hebrew scriptures when people spoke pronouncing the word of God or saying that God said something, they would say, thus saith the Lord. The Lord says this or that. The Lord our God says this or that. But Jesus would say, I tell you, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. I, he gave his teaching under his name. Although there's many times in the New Testament where he says, everything I have I received from the Father. Meaning what I'm giving you, I vessel. got from God. I'm a vessel. But it's clear that in the New Testament scriptures, Jesus is speaking about himself in a way that is a unique relationship with God that no one else has. And so for Jews, that's a little too much for the for the title of Messiah. That's, you know, to put it in a very blunt way to a Jew, that would be like way above the Messiah's pay grade. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're claiming something that even as the Messiah, which is the deliverer of Israel, you're, it's a bit much. And so um, the, the problem with that becomes, historically speaking, did Jesus actually make these claims about himself or were they written into the story later on? That's the problem. For Christians, these are declarations that Christ made and they believe Himself. That. Right. He's quoted as saying these things. Right. Whether historically Jesus said them or not, we don't know. No one can know. No one can know that Moses said the things that he said in the That's Torah. interesting. So you're saying it's he could have said it, but it could have also been written about him after his death at some point in time. Right. Meaning the interpretation there's no book left by Jesus. He didn't write an autobiography before he left. He left us no writings. Neither did any of his disciples. So the New Testament writings are like... It's second, all up to interpretation. They're all second-generation Christians. Yeah. They were already like one generation removed from the original guys. So now they've their religion is transforming into another thing. By about the second or third century, it's pretty much settled. They, that's known as, in Christian and Jewish circles, the parting of the ways. When, is, with, when uh, the Jews and the Christians said... We have to go a separate way. We're not. No more. We're never going to get on agreement on this. Um, what you believe, I don't believe. What I believe, you don't believe. And it boils down to Jesus. I mean, so much so that when the Christians began to try to convert their fellow Jewish brethren, when there were still Jews, when the Christian, the early Christians were Jews, they were Messianic Jews, when they try to convert their neighbors and the neighbors rejected it, what happened was the Christians then began to 
codify their religion in a way that alienates the Jews. And the Jews did the same thing for the Christians. So you would have see you would have in the synagogue maybe say ten guys in the synagogue in a Jewish synagogue who believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But the rest of the synagogue, the other ninety people in the place, don't believe he's the Messiah. So then they started um having a pronouncement that they would say blessings and cursings during the the actual service where one of them clearly says someone who creates a schism or something like that who breaks away from us let them be accursed or someone you know it pretty much was kind of like a clause that they put in their pronouncements that would make a christian feel uncomfortable if he was sitting there because you're now saying i'm not really part of you Christians did the same thing. By the time you get to the books of John in the back of the Bible, the letters of John, it says, whosoever does not have the Son does not have the Father either. You know, so that's an important, you get that? That's a very big deal. Say that again. So whosoever does not have the Son does not have the Father. Got it. Meaning now, if you don't worship Jesus, you don't accept Jesus, you don't don't even have the God of Israel. So they're oh, shutting that's out not the nice. Jews. So they're now like fighting, well, right. warring so now, with each other. And well, they warred with each other because now these two, these two concepts are not reconcilable. They can't reconcile. And no one really even knows what the original guy Jesus was preaching then, right? Because it could be his we, words, or it could be we part know, of his his right, myth. Right. It could be what was added on later, or interpreted, or misinterpreted. But um, we do know that he never left his own words behind in written form. So it's all up to interpretation. So it's all up to interpretation. But, I mean, when you read the New Testament, it's clear that Jesus is, in effect, saying he's unique in a way that no other man is. And that's... You, you don't go around saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Like it's, that's, a, it's a bold that's a statement That's a phenomenal, bold statement, Right. Now, the question is, is he right or is he wrong? Do you believe he's telling the truth or do you believe he's some kind of deceiver who's pulling away Jewish believers and making them believe something else? Why would he break away from Judaism? He never did. He never broke away from it. What? So what happened? Well, that's the problem. What I'm saying is that his disciples began to teach these things about him and say that this is what he said. And we don't know that he didn't say those things. Either. Right, right, right. So that's another thing. But it and at this point, became, it's, it's already written in, in, it, and signed, sealed, delivered. Right, it, it is what right. it is now. No Jewish person would genuinely have a problem with the believers in Jesus if they felt that Jesus was the Messiah, you know, the, the appointed deliverer, and they happened to be wrong about it. They would still embrace them as brothers. They can't embrace Christians as brothers if Christians believe that Jesus is God incarnate, because this goes against their very religion. It's, it, yeah, right. It, it, you have to understand, too, when you say Jesus is God incarnate, then you are saying God went to the outhouse. God might have gone to the corner and, I don't want to sound irreverent, it. but, you know, yeah. urinated behind a tree somewhere. God woke up with um, sexual urges. That manifest himself physically. See what I'm saying? But is, you know, if you if you take it through to its natural course, to a Jew or to a Muslim, this is like making God an unholy. But isn't the thing. story 
the Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate Conception is not referring to Christ, it's referring to Mary. But she didn't, see, I didn't, so I think. Yeah, so the Immaculate Conception, I'll, I'll break it down really quickly because this is a common misunderstanding. And a lot of people always get now this I'm wrong. Now I'm embarrassed, but let's, let's Don't be embarrassed because a lot of people get this wrong. Okay. The birth of Jesus is known as the virgin birth. The Immaculate Conception was a teaching that came later in the Catholic Church that said that for Mary to have given birth to a sinless child like Jesus, she also must have been without sin. And that's the Immaculate Conception was her birth, not his. Oh. So for her to bring the holiest thing in the world into existence, she had to be born without original sin. She was born like a normal human, but God did not pass on to her the curse of original sin, which is a Christian concept that Jews also do not believe. Of, of what? Original sin? Right. Meaning that Christians believe that Adam and Eve, when they partook, when they, um, partook of the fruit, that they sinned against God, and that now that sin was passed down from person to person and made us imperfect. That it's I've almost heard. burned like it's almost like being born with a genetic defect, right? Sin. Now you're born a sinner. And so that's why some Christian groups baptize babies. Because you want to get rid of original sin. And you baptize a baby that wipes away original sin. And then later the child goes to confession and does baptism as an adult or does confirmation or does something to now talk about the other sins that he's done since. Got it. But to the Jewish people, the story of Adam and Eve did not, there's nothing that was passed on to the people, making them sinners. So in Judaism, you're not born a sinner. You're born pure. You're a baby. You're, you have no thoughts either way about being good or evil. Right. So Mary, so the Immaculate Conception, I'm trying my best not to say the Immaculate Collection, the Madonna Greatest Hits <laughs> album. <laughs> Right. The Immaculate Conception is Mary's birth. Right. Meaning, meaning, did her parents fornicate, or is it just she was born without sin? No, fornicate would mean they sinned. She was born without sin. She was... That God so did her not, parents didn't have sex. God miraculously made her... No, it wasn't that they didn't have sex. It was that God didn't allow the sin to pass on from to them Mary. to Got her. Got it. Okay, and that came later with Catholics. Right. Got that's it. So that has nothing to even a, do... That's nothing to do with even the Bible. Right, that's a later teaching. Because it was now, well, I mean, Jesus is sinless, but if he still came through Mary, wasn't Mary sinless? Okay, so that, and so again, I don't... This is where, like, conjecture starts coming in as to how this all could have happened. I see, so it's not even a part of the original religious... It's not in the text. Wow, I didn't right. know that. No. So it's it's not... The virgin birth is in the text, in two of the, the Gospels. I see, so that's just something the Catholics put out there it's to justify. It's a further teaching. I see. Right. So a big difference between Catholics and Protestants, and a Protestant is any Christian who's not Catholic, pretty much, because they're protesting the Catholic Church. So they're a schism or a break-off of the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. and all of them are, all of them. Like any denomination you see today had its roots in the Catholic Church and broke away. The Baptists, the Lutherans, the Presbyterians, the Methodists, the Anglicans, all of them at one time were part of the Catholic Church. Um, so 
they have this idea in the Catholic Church that you have both scripture and then tradition and the ongoing teaching of the church. And so the church can at a later time introduce religious ideas that are not necessarily found in the Christian scriptures. So for them, although the Bible is the word of God, it's not the end-all be-all of their religious faith. There's the traditions that are passed down as well. Same thing with Judaism. Judaism has the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, but then later they had another writing called the Mishnah. Then the Mishnah gave way to the Talmud, which you've heard of the Talmud. So mm -hmm. they've continuously, you know, Judaism 2.0, Judaism 3.0. There's revisions in, in the way you interpret the original Torah. Now you're what it's they like call... like the Constitution of the United States right. and the amendments. Now you, you, you have can... continuous laws that spring forth from the constitutional laws that are helping you to interpret the Constitution. And when we have a problem with whether a law is just or not, what we do is we hearken back to the Constitution. And we try to say, well, is this constitutional? Because the Constitution for the United States is our holy scripture. That's, that document is literally what binds us as Americans. That document. The fact that we all listen to it. Because the minute we don't listen to it, things our, fall apart. Our country falls apart. Right. If we don't practice the office of the presidency as it teaches us, then we don't have a president anymore. So this is why it's important for us to always, we always hearken back to the Constitution, you know, because it's the foundational right, document. Right. So for Christians, it would be the Bible, and for the Jews, it would be the Hebrew Bible. For Muslims, it is the, the Quran. So now we've had the great parting, right? Is that the name? That... The, the, um, the parting of the ways. The parting of the ways. We've had the parting of the ways, and now you have the New Testament now, which is written long after Jesus dies, right? Not that long after. But but after he dies. After he dies. And now that's what broke sort of the Bible into, in a way. Or that's what created what we consider the Bible now, which is the Old Testament and the New Testament. Right. The New Testament says, this story didn't end. This There's a sequel to this, right? Right. There's, well, what happens is that the history, the history of, of the Jews goes in the direction where Jesus is, at one point, seriously considered the Messiah by a lot of Jews. A lot of Jews reject it. He dies. For many, many Jews, they don't buy the resurrection story. Don't believe it. And so they move on. And then about another 200 years, they had another man who they thought was the Messiah. And then he proved to be another false Messiah. What they they consider them just false Messiah. What was his name? Um, his name was Bar Kokhba. Okay. The son of the star. So there was a prophecy never heard him of him and a star. Right, you've never heard of him. But in Judaism, there are dozens, I mean dozens of men that were up for the role who didn't quite fit the bill. And so they're still waiting for the Messiah. They don't think any of these men were the one. And they have to come to an agreement as a people. Okay. So I'm trying to now, now okay, so now you have Christianity is now a full-fledged thing now, okay? Right. Which still has some foundational uh, customs and rituals that are similar to Jew 
Judaism, yes, but not because it, it's an offshoot of Judaism. It's an offshoot of Judaism. Which many people, I think, don't know. Yeah. Right? Which is interesting, um, just to get into words and their meanings. So Christian and Christ comes from the Greek, Christos, which means anointed one, meaning you've been anointed with oil. And the anointing with oil was a ceremony that was performed to install you into office. So if you were the new king of Israel, they anointed you with oil. They still do this in the British family. They anoint with oil. There's an anointing ceremony. So, I mean, this is how you anointed your high priest. This is how, So the Messiah would be the ultimate anointed guy, like the ultimate king of Israel that was like the great King David, who was their greatest king. He's to be known as the son of David. So that's why Christians call him the son of David, right? So um, this idea of the Christos and Christians, that term is a Gentile term. But if you go to Israel, or if you ask a Jew how you say Christian, in Hebrew, they will, they will call them Nozrim, the Nozrim, right? And Nozrim literally means Nazarene. It means, and Nazarene means branch. So in a sense, that's a branch from us. Get it? Now, in uh, Islam, it's a similar word to um, the Nozrim, Nazarani. So in an Islamic country, when you say Christian, you don't say Christian, you say Nazarani. Which means... Nazarene, right? Nazareth, Nazareth, meaning relating to that demand from Nazareth, like his teachings, his people. The early Christians were called Nazarenes. I didn't know that. Yeah. So the word Christian and Christ, those are Greek words. Those are Greek words. And they're used in the West, but in the East, in those countries of the Middle East, they use the term Nazarene. For Christian. And back in, in I guess, Jesus' time, they would not have said Christian. They would have said. They would have said Notalim, yeah. Huh. I grew up in a, you know, a Christian family, but again, this is. uh, I I feel like, you know, we're now more culturally Christian and not religiously Christian. Or else we wouldn't know these things. Right. Well, I mean, a lot of Christians do, but some people don't. I've never, but I grew up around a million Christians. I've never heard. But it depends on your interest. Were you interested in hearing the stories or were you tuned out? Plenty of, I'm sure, children sitting in in Hebrew school and sitting in a mosque somewhere who don't want to hear what the imam has to say about Muhammad or any of <laughs> Right, right, right. But they know to reverence it and respect it, which right. is what you did. And most people who are raised cultural Christians still honor and respect these traditions. Any religion, you still sort of honor it. You're culturally <laughs> right. in the religion. So, right. okay, so... Already, they understood that this was a branch of us. Okay, right. fine. Now, where does Islam come in to play? Now, Islam comes, I believe, about 600 years um, after Christ. And uh, this takes place in Arabia. And um, Muhammad has a revelation in a cave where... Who is Muhammad? Muhammad? I hate to ask that, but I'm asking well, for Muhammad, the audience. Um, without going to a lot of detail, because I don't know much about him, enough to to begin to try to teach on him, I, I would find it disrespectful to even 
try to go into a right, whole long right. dialogue because I can't give you dates. We'll get, we'll get someone who knows right, but he was, here. He was a, a young Arab man who obviously um, believed that he got a revelation from God. God um, gave him the Quran. God gave him the words of the Quran. He could he could neither read or write. So um, this was like a divine thing that happened to him. And um, for them, the, the Quran is delivered as a holy book from God. So it's not inspired the way the Bible is inspired, where the writers are receiving from God and writing down. This book was dictated by God, word for word, so that to a Muslim, every word in the Quran is a, the word of Allah. Is that similar to Moses then? Yes. To Jews, the Torah would be every word precisely as God wanted it to be written down. Now that's the, the, the issue between the two then. Both believe they have the, the word of right, God. Right. Now Christians believe that... Um, that they have the word of God in the New Testament too, that the writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when they wrote their books, that God inspired them. But for them, inspiration means God was the one who gave them the vision of what to write, but he didn't dictate it word for word. They weren't hearing somebody go, now write, thou shalt not. You know, it, it wasn't, we don't perceive of it that way. And I include myself as a Christian. You have a conversation with me and you feel inspired from our interaction to write something. That's the inspired word that you received and you are interpreting on a piece of paper. That's very different from and the Torah and that's very different from the Quran and how they perceive those books. Got it. It had nothing to do with Christianity or Judaism. It was an independent... It's... Um, it's it's an Abrahamic faith, and it shares a lot of similarities. Now, they have certain dietary laws, like I told you, they have certain... But they also believe in a lot of the characters of the Bible. By the time Muhammad is on the scene, Judaism and Christianity are two major religions. Like right, right. He's encountered them before. He's heard Christians speak. He's heard Jews speak. If you're a Muslim, you believe that whatever teaching he received from the Christians and the Jews may have enlightened Muhammad, but it wasn't until God gave Muhammad the final revelation to mankind, the Quran, that all of those stories were properly told or interpreted. Interpreted. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So in other words, for a Muslim, the Quran is the final revelation of God that corrects the other misunderstandings that are in the Bible. To them, the Bible is a corrupt book. What's their relationship with Jesus? Very good question. To Muslims, Jesus is a prophet of Allah. He is neither the son of God, nor is he God in the flesh. Allah being God. Allah being the proper name for God. Okay. So Jesus is a prophet, a messenger for God. A messenger. Very good word. They believe he existed... Yes. They believe he was born of a virgin. They believe in Mary, his mother, as being a virgin who gave birth to this holy prophet. She's the only woman in the Quran who has her own book, who has her own chapters. Like the only woman, like who's so honored in the Quran. Jesus' mother. Jesus' mother. Next to 
next to Muhammad, meaning like second place to Muhammad would be Jesus in the Islamic faith. So he's very important to, to Muslims. To Muslims, very much, very important, very um, very much a part of of Islam. Very important, which is why a Muslim will never disrespect Jesus, because he's one of their holy prophets. What message? He's mentioned, he's mentioned in the Quran. Oh. Yeah. What message did he deliver to Muslims? According to them, he is the Messiah. According right? to? Muslims. Jesus is the Messiah. So now that's something that Muslims share with Christians that they do not share with Jews, obviously. Now that moves them, that moves those two religions close to each other, where maybe the dietary laws move Judaism and Islam. So Islam is an interesting religion in that it can move within those two other faiths and share things from those two other faiths. But at the end of the day, they believe that their final interpretation is the correct interpretation of the events. So in their religious belief, um, Jesus never proclaimed to be the son of God. Jesus never said he was God. Jesus was a prophet of Allah. And they believe that originally what Jesus practiced was Islam, that he practiced the religion as it is explained in the Quran. Al, anything else? This is, I mean, this is very interesting. Uh, and I, the reason I wanted to talk about all of this uh, today is because, you know, learning about all of this now as an adult with an understanding of some of the religions, you know, all three, mostly Judaism and Christianity, um, they're so similar, yet so different. Right. And again, I think the differences are, they're not small, but they're, the the similarities are, 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 are bigger, I think, than the differences in a way. I think, I, I mean, think the, the, the major differences. Yeah, there are major differences that, that if you're going to have an interfaith discussion, you should be sensitive to and you should be respectful to. Right. I mean, the differences are, you know. are major, but it's major in that, that it's only a few big ones. You know, they're, Jesus, they're God big, told us different. They're big enough that there should be three separate religions. Right. Clearly, they're never going to come to agreement on any of these things. Never. But they, but, but fine, but fine. They can agree that there is one omnipotent God. We can agree that they this can food- agree that. God reveals himself to man. Whether, you know, you believe it's the Quran or whether you believe it's the, the Hebrew scriptures, or whether you believe it was the Christian New Testament, God speaks to man and God has revealed himself to man. That's interesting. They share many of the same holy people. A Muslim will reverence Moses and Jesus. The Jew can appreciate that he reverences Moses. The Christian can appreciate that he reverences Jesus. They both have. They both have what I found interesting, uh, food rituals, right? Rules. They both pray. All three pray. All three pray. Yeah. Uh, but again, with 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 Islam and Judaism, I feel as though those though their rituals and their their customs um, are more ingrained in their daily lives. There's much more, right, there's much more a visible practice. Right. 
So there, but there are differences in teachings. So although you might see Christians praying out in the street, Jesus taught not to do that. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in secret. So what is asked for in secret will be revealed to you. Like, you know, it's not, it's a personal thing between you and God. Don't do it because you're making a show of it when you do it on the street. But now, to a Muslim, it is a visible sign of reverence and respect to fall on your face before God five times a day. They pray to God. Wherever you are. Wherever you are. At a WeWork. I saw this at a WeWork. face Mecca. Right. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you if you see a Muslim praying, you know they're praying toward the east. You already know what, if they whatever direction Go they're right facing. Go right that way. Yep. That's east, and you can orient yourself every other way. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's something to be said about a people that bow on their face anywhere they are five without times shame. a day, without shame or embarrassment to worship their God. It's a beautiful thing. I don't think people should ever trample on that, you know, trample that, you know. It's, I guess because it's not in Christianity, at least. Right. It's, you know. And, and in I Christianity, don't know. it's a sign of showiness. And we're, we're, we're really forbidden to do it by Christ. Although Christians do it, they'll go on the corner and lead a prayer circle or something. Yeah, I see it but, more now. You, know, you it's, see it, yeah. but it's not like a daily requirement that we have to do it in unison or anything like that. It's not found in Christianity. Hmm. So you're right. In many ways, the visibly external elements of religion are seen more in Judaism and in Islam than you would in Christianity. You see? So that's, that's interesting. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Al. Thank you. I appreciate it.